0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. apply. See site for details.
2: This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. Winning an argument by back rubbing instead of googling, or ordering a pair of blue ribbon sports with the swoosh from Cadabra. Cadabra, Jeff Bezos' original name for Amazon, only changed after his lawyer thought he was saying cadaver. Instead of the sneakers with the swoosh, you might be devoted instead to the shoes with the three lines shaped like a mountain. They were initially named the Dastler. These days, the logo is instantly recognized as the brand Adidas. And when you're in the mood for a pumpkin spice latte, do you go to the nearest cargo house? Or do you save yourself a trip to Starbucks, as it became known, and head instead to the monitor top, the original GE name for a refrigerator, where you keep bottles of Brad's drink, renamed as Pepsi, just a few years after it came on the market in 1893. Names change over the years. Cargo House, two random words that could mean anything, became Starbucks, which could only mean one thing. And Nike may not be as well known these days if it had stuck to its original name for its shoes, which was Blue Ribbon Sports, three generic words that needed to amount to one singular entity. More recently, Mark Zuckerberg appeared in a strange but optimistic video where he earnestly laid out his vision of the future, a world that would be virtual. This immersive environment wouldn't be on Facebook. It would be in the metaverse. Facebook will now be known as Meta. Sometimes companies change their names when they're hoping to disassociate with the rut it's been in and show that they're bigger than their current troubles. Facebook was under challenge by advertisers for its unwillingness to shut down hate rhetoric on its platform and the spreading of misinformation. And there's growing concerns the use of social media is having on mental health issues for teenagers. By changing its name to Meta, Facebook is signaling it wants to have a fresh start. Meta hopes that its new Metaverse will be a world where people wearing virtual headsets will be able to go anywhere and meet up with people in a virtual world or watch a wrestling match from any perspective including that of the fighters. A concert or a coffee with someone all can be done virtually. Our avatars can hang out with other avatars. Companies and products create names and some change them. Backrub is the original name the founders Larry Page and Serge Brin came up with. Then, as it continued to grow and became the world's most popular search engine, Google turned into Alphabet after it started to diversify when the company began owning sub-brands, including YouTube and Android. It needed a new corporate umbrella name to not just mean it's Google anymore. By taking a single known entity and giving it a new name, there are lessons to learn about loneliness. Names matter. The way we call something and give it an identity sends a message that can be intentional, but the meaning of it can also have unintentional consequences. It's one thing to name something that we can hold, a product, like a pair of shoes, Adidas, or an action that can become a verb, Googling. But how do we give a name to something internal? How do we name an emotion? What's in a name that everyone can recognize, but all of us know it in different ways? Is there a better name than just calling it loneliness? By any other name, loneliness has different iterations, all with slight variations. Solitary, alone, isolation. But what if you can come up with a new word or name for loneliness? Here's one, alope. It means a mysterious aura of loneliness you can feel in certain places. It's a palpable weight of this experience of all the lonely people. They're all secretly holed up in their houses and apartments. Their doors are locked. The windows where they're shut in have a flickering blue glow. There are sounds of lights buzzing, flickering, and shadows cast up on their walls. So many of these lonely people might just want someone to talk to or just want to feel needed. And if only they could meet, they could be that for each other. Allopie it's a noun. And if it may sound vaguely familiar, the word "alopee" is short for all the lonely people from the song Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. Don't recognize the word? That's because it's made up and in a new book called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Here's another from the dictionary, ledsome. It's an adjective and it's feeling lonely in a crowd. It describes the awareness someone has of drifting along in a sea of anonymous faces. But despite the crowd, you're unable to communicate or confide in any one person. The word comes from an amalgamation of the Middle English word led, which means countrymen or compatriots. Add led to the word lonesome, and what you get is "ledsome," Or the loneliness of unrequited love could just be stated as the loneliness of unrequited love. But if there was one word to express that feeling, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows has that word. Amaranja. It's a mix of Portuguese amor, which means love with ansia, a craving. And ambido, the momentary trance of emotional clarity that only occurs when you're alone and everything is quiet. You could be just a few minutes early to pick someone up, and you turn off the car and find yourself alone with your thoughts. But your thoughts are too scary to dwell on, and you turn up your car radio. Or sitting up in bed on a dark morning before the day begins, staring blankly at a spot on the wall, thinking about life. But that's a lot to sink your teeth into so, you reach for your phone to drown out your thoughts with distractions. That's ambido, which in Latin literally means sink my teeth into. Writer John Koenig came up with many of the words in his book, The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrels, during extended periods of insomnia. It was often a case of solicium which he describes as a noun meaning the unhinged delirium of being alone for an extended period of time, feeling the hours stretch into days until a weird little culture begins to form inside your head with its own superstitions and alternate histories and a half-mumbled dialect all your own. It's taken from the word solitary, being by oneself, plus asylum, a sanctuary for the mentally ill, plus elysium, the ancient Greek equivalent of heaven. The new invented word John Koenig discovered to describe that feeling, solysium. Book of Obscure Sorrows actually started out a bit lighter and more comedic than it ended up being more than a decade after it was first conceived. John Koenig, the creator and writer, started off putting his observations on Tumblr.
1: I lived in an apartment building downtown, and I would walk down and see my car, and I would sort of peer around the corner to see if it had been broken into, and when it hadn't, I felt kind of vaguely disappointed, which (laughs) doesn't make any sense at all or the you know the the feeling of the end credits of Saturday night live or something where all they're just standing together awkwardly
2: but these, over these time the, that the things think... that Kognick tried to define got a little bit deeper more raw and emotionally honest the title the dictionary of obscure sorrows came to him more than 15 years ago he was trying to write a poem while sitting in a library back in college the title emerged fully formed and he had a picture in his mind of what the book looked like. Leather bound, half buried in the forest, and inside was a map of the wilderness.
1: There was something really empowering and calming about that image. The idea that someone had gone through and found order in the chaos. And whatever I was feeling, whether it was you know lonely or alienated or <laughs> like everyone else had something figured out that I couldn't. It was just the fantasy that someone had figured it all out, you know, and, and it assigned complex Latin names to it. And it was a very whimsical sort of idea. So from there, I just started writing that book because I really wanted it to exist.
2: He was reading a lot of poetry at that time in his life. And in his literature classes, he was able to take a step back through words and fiction and imagination. And Koenig took in a holistic view of the world, One of his favorite books at that time was Winesburg, Ohio, written by Sherwood Anderson, a series of 22 short stories about a boy who grows up to be a man, a writer.
1: As far as loneliness, that book is actually a really good examination of of that theme, because everyone he talks to just is kind of clenched within within themselves, within the small town of Winesburg, Ohio and everyone has different strategies for trying to overcome that alienation. But in the end, it's just this, this tiny town filled with people who are just unable to talk to each other. And it, it, there's something about that that uh, I find really compelling.
2: John Koenig wanted to find a way to voice feelings that current words or known words can't express. So he found a way to create the words. Growing up in Geneva, Switzerland, he was surrounded by different languages. During long nights of sleeplessness, the words started to find their way. First a few, then dozens, names of things that made sense because of their meaning.
1: My writing process has been driven primarily by insomnia, I would say. So I'd just be, you know, up at night, and I think your mood always tends to get a little more melodramatic at night, so it was easier to capture some of these these sadnesses. But uh, yeah, in, in this case, it was... Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.
2: In a name. In my applied communication classes at Kwantlen Polytechnic University, one of the exercises I have students do is an oral presentation about the meaning of their name. Okay, let's start. Anyone? Anyone? Who wants to go first? You're just like my students. No one ever wants to be the first. I'll go. My name is Petty Say Fong. And my bylines when I worked in newspapers, television, and as a radio reporter, was Petty Fong. But since my days at Rosedale Kindergarten in Calgary, Alberta, everyone has always called me Peg. And the reason is my last name, Fong, means square in Chinese. I was dubbed early on as a square peg, Peg Fong. I like it. My mother hates it. Sorry, Mum, not What I learned over the years was many of my students discovered their names come from the meaning of solitude or being alone. The name Ainsley has its origins in the Native American language, which means a clearing or being alone. And the name can also be traced to the Scottish language, to means one's own meadow. Luke, which is of Greek origins, has been one of the most popular names in the U.S. since the 19th century. And means forsaken or a loner. Monica also has Greek roots, Monica from the word monos, meaning solitary or a hermit. One of my students from South America told me Spanish names and their origins are often meant to denote being alone or lonely. She has a cousin named Marisol, which means Mary of Alone, and a sister named Soledad which means solitude. Her name, Solange, has the meaning of someone who is lonely. Another student said his name, Wahid, comes from the Arabic word for one of the 99 names of Allah, Al Wahid. Wahid was born into a family of twins and his immediate older brothers were born as twins. Although he's never asked his parents about this, my student says he has a faint suspicion that he was named Wahid because the word means unique, the one or the single. He didn't have a twin. He was born without another. He was alone.
1: On
3: days when I wake up feeling lost, and like, I don't know what I'm doing. Those are the people that come to my mind. It's like, even if you're affecting one person in a positive way, it's enough, like like they say, just one person.
2: Since March of 2020, Aditi Mali, an artist who lives in Poon, India, has been on her own in her apartment and isolated. She saw friends for the first time in October, 2021, but it felt strange to her, a little scary. The only connections she's had over the last year and a half is online, where she posts daily drawings and her internal thoughts. She now has nearly 70,000 followers on Instagram. She wishes there was a word to express how she feels when what she creates connects with a complete stranger on social media.
3: I still can't wrap my head around it. It's like something that I that I about in my head and that i make sitting in my room ends up making somebody that i don't even know feeling a feeling that they weren't expecting and then they let me know that it's happened (laughs) the internet is just it's a gift it's also a curse sometimes but it's mostly nice (laughs) and i don't know what other word to use it's very it's just amazing
2: there should be a word mali believes to describe the gratitude she gets when she creates something and another name that describes the moment where she fears the reaction to her drawings and monologue. Yet it doesn't stop her from publishing her thoughts. She frets about how others will see her drawings and the message she is trying to convey on Instagram, but still is compelled to let it go out on social media for whatever response she may get back. Mali knows that the only way she can express these feelings is through a lot of words that don't always fit inside the comic strip frame she creates. So she often uses a visual clue to symbolize loneliness when she can't put it into mere words.
3: It's just having something so big floating about, to just, you know, just minding its own business over your head. It's so nice. And it's like, I look at them as my friends. And just like loneliness... Clouds also take up different shapes. And then there's some sort of a connection between my loneliness and the clouds being up there, so many of them. And they're like my friends. And (laughs) it's weird, but I found my way to cope the pandemic loneliness. Just clouds are my friends. My comics are my friends.
2: She uses clouds because everyone knows what they are right away. Yet everyone sees them differently. For a small, common word with such a big meaning for her, the name for how she feels when she looks at clouds and the loneliness she sees in them, it just doesn't exist.
3: I just love them so much. What is going on? I look at the clouds and I'm like, wow. So like that is just floating above our heads. (laughs) You know, it's just there and they're so big and you're so small. Like I like feeling small when I look at clouds personally because it's just it's a, it's a weirdly comforting feeling because it reminds me of how insignificant I am.
2: The shape that loneliness has taken for her has also taken a new shape, like clouds that weren't as recognizable. She's had to redefine it, but doesn't know the way to do it in words. Her feelings about isolation changed during the intense lockdowns in India, combined with her own fears and her own losses. Her aunt died a year ago during the pandemic. As her emotions and the elements of her loneliness changed, especially during COVID-19 with new losses and new grief that hadn't been there before, the word for feeling alone that she used to know doesn't seem adequate anymore. To Mallie, the name for her kind of loneliness hasn't been invented yet. Iceland tourism recently spoofed Mark Zuckerberg's unveiling of Facebook to Meta with its own ad featuring a lookalike with the same hairstyle, wearing similar clothes, walking through a space full of mid-century furniture. In the tourism video, Zuckerberg's doppelganger, with the same forced smile and awkward hand movements, encourages people to visit Iceland where real humans can connect without having to wear headsets and being super weird. Icelandverse has real water that's wet, and real humans and real puffins you can see. What do we call this not so new chapter in human connectivity? It's Icelandverse, says the Icelandic version of Zuckerberg. The word doesn't exist. But the combination of Iceland plus metaverse, and the possibility of skewering a tech giant created something new and funny. When you have the experience of hearing a name for an emotion that you had not been able to previously define, a feeling that had no previous name, there's realization you are not alone in feeling it. Just the act of hearing that word goes a little way to dispelling loneliness. Late one night, when he couldn't sleep, John Kognick wrote up a definition that hadn't existed before, a word he called saunder. It's the awareness that everyone around you is the main character of their own story. And he posted this word on his website for the book that he had hoped he would be able to write one day. In that definition, he compared each stranger's life to an anthill, that looks so simple on the surface, but is actually an entire universe sprawling deep underground with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives that you'll never know existed. Within minutes, he started getting emails from readers saying, thank you for giving voice to something I felt all my life. It surprised him how universal a feeling that came from inside him could be a feeling that he only felt in glimmers of solitude. It gave him a glimpse into the lives of thousands of strangers. The word sonder, I first heard, was through Aditi Mali in Poon, India, when we were talking during her bout of insomnia. In that one word that she came across years ago, online somewhere, the awareness that everyone else was the main character in their lives and you were just an extra, had meaning for her in a way that no other word could express. To Mali and many people like her, the name for her kind of loneliness hasn't been invented yet, but maybe we are getting closer. A word is only real when you want it to be, Koenig believes, and that word, Sonder, is real for Aditi Mali and for thousands. It takes a critical mass of people who want to find a name for something to make it exist. Sonder now has a life of its own. The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrels was just published in November, 15 years after John Kognick first thought up the name of the book. Like Malley, Kognick wanted the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrels to exist because he had feelings, and he had names of feelings, And sometimes those feelings were bigger than the names and the existing names weren't enough to describe the big and small parts of what we discover about ourselves when we are alone. It takes just one person to be able to take their own obscure sorrow and make it a dictionary that is a reference everyone can understand. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer is Jeff Devine. The theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefever. Producers, Alison Pinches and Guillermo Serrano. I'm the host and writer. My name is Square Peg. What's the story of your name? Subscribe to our show and share with us on Instagram. The executive producer is Terry O'Reilly.